Hello everyone, how are you all doing? Welcome back to another podcast on the 1881 Club YouTube channel. Um, I'm here with Eamon from uh, Take Aims, he's on Twitter, um, does a lot of things around boxing. If you want to go and check him out, the link to his, um, well, all his socials will be down in the description below. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, grinding away. Um, happy in general with life, happy in general with Watford FC, we'll chop that up here, but I'm all good, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Um, same with you. Quite happy with life at the moment. Um, things are just going quite well. Um, Watford, like you say, are doing quite well. So can't really, don't have, really have too much to complain about, which is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, um, obviously Watford doing quite well this season, as we just touched on. Um, and it's obviously a Watford podcast. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and the season so far, we are in second place after playing 11 games. Um, not bad going, is it? And uh, we've come off the back of two three two wins what, what did you make of well we'll start off with the uh, the first one against Stoke the Stoke game yeah um I kind of been have been looking at the our second place position position after 11 games or so as a whole but in terms of us versus Stoke I'm very happy to have got the win especially as I used to go to uni in Stoke. So being from there, having that rivalry with a couple of mates as well. So I'm very happy to have got the win there. But yeah, it was um, it was good in a way. It was also kind of bad in a way, like because, I mean, you've got obviously Stoke and Coventry. Stoke, like, I mean, we came out on the positive side of those three twos, but like I'd kind of have the feeling that Ivic would have been not very happy uh, with that, like, conceding conceding twice conceding very early against Stoke conceding more than one I have a feeling that would have kind of got under Ivic's skin now of course like obviously the the back line uh those in the back had kind of changed Cabasali and Econ traded places for those two games but like you want that kind of transition to be seamless I suppose and it I don't think it quite was on the whole obviously conceding two but scoring three is obviously the main positive but especially in, in the Stoke game I suppose like to rally back again after you've just rallied back the previous time I suppose was was good in that sense and Ken Semmer I think as well kind of being the main performer and main key there and helping us get in that victory I thought was just um he's been really kind of one of the gems so far in this season but yeah I mean it's good that we've got those two three twos but I just feel that there's just a little bit of warning in those two games to not kind of be just content with just winning that game making sure that we're not we're not overseeing the negatives in that in those two performances and making sure we're kind of building over on that to make sure that doesn't kind of happen again, I suppose. Well, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. I think it's, well, I was saying to somebody earlier, it's, it's a case of, you know, at the start, we weren't scoring enough goals, but we were defending really well. Now, mm -hmm. we're not defending particularly well, um, obviously conceding two goals, uh, well, four goals in two games. Um, but then we are scoring quite a few goals, obviously six goals in two games. So it's one of those, it is really difficult for Ivic to find the balance because obviously it, it's a really tough balance to get right um, where you're defending well and also scoring a good amount of goals. So it is one of those. And I think it, with time, he'll get used to it as players come back from injury, as we're starting to see now, players are coming back from injury. We've had Troy Deeney back for a bit. Um, I think once Messina comes back, it will help. So just having a full team selection, it will help him massively. Um, and I think he'll he'll potentially find it easier um, or, or it will give him full freedom to do whatever he wants to do with the team. Um, talking about Vladimir Ivic, I mean, he's been really, really good so far. I'm, I was trying to sort of think of it. Well, there are obviously negatives about him, but on the whole, 
pretty good, pretty positive. Yeah, on, again, on the whole, I mean, you can, there are some negatives that you can draw looking online as well. And and, I, and to be fair, I kind of had to look online for those negatives because on the whole, for me personally, I'm happy with him and what he's done. But there, there are things that you have to pick up on as well on the other side of it. Like, I've personally quite liked his approach, really, to be honest with you. And what I've seen of him, I quite like calm, kind of cool head. But I get the sense that he doesn't really take any crap from anyone. Now, yes. whether that... Now, with that that approach to, you know, this this to sideline players who didn't want to play at the club when we were in that transition period, with obviously the transfer window, uh, with putting those players with another group was an Ivic approach, or another one maybe directed from higher up. I'm not sure, but I also think if it was Ivic or not, it was the correct one, and Ivic stood by that as well and answered questions on that in the press conferences. He said he didn't want players who didn't want to give 100% at the club and weren't committed to the club, didn't want them in the core group. Uh, well, nor did I, to be honest with you. So bang on that. But he never closed that door either, i.e. Kapu, who looked like it seemed like he was hankering for a move. Valencia was the the pick there, apparently. But he, even though they, um, the transfer didn't materialise, he's brought him back in. So I like that. I like that he doesn't close the door on players but I suppose a real detractor for me last season and in seasons previous with managers in general as well was the lack of young talent on display at the club and yes I get there were certain risks those risks associated with getting relegated of course but we did get relegated but that doesn't mean even in the face of relegation you can't use some of the younger talent and let them get some time on the pitch and that's what Ibich is doing now. Again, that could be from higher up. That could be Ibich. I think it's more of an Ibich thing, but we're seeing those younger talents get that game time. Ben Wilmot, who has had a few patchy moments, but on the whole has done very well and looking like there's a lot more to come from him. He's got the makings of a good ball-playing defender, charging forward like a Leicester City version of Harry Maguire. My particular <laughs> highlight from him is the assist for the goal at Derby from Jao Pedro. Just him play, like marauding forward, playing the ball to link up with Zhao and then pushing forward into the box to see if that pass was going to come. Obviously, Zhao did what he did and fantastic. But that's what I like to see from someone who's kind of looking to make his name as that type of player. Um, yeah, I, I was just going to okay. say he is very young. Like you were saying, he's, he's very young still. And you see he's making appearances recently for England under 21s. Um, and, I th and he scored for England under 21s the other day. So um, he is quite a good defender and like you say he's still got time he's still got potential and like you say he's got the makings of being a potential a really really good player and yeah for us yeah i mean um that's the thing you want to see that come through uh especially as he he proved it with swansea last season the worst thing you would have wanted to see is him not being used or loaned off to somewhere else but i'm glad he's getting that time i'm glad it which is giving that faith and yeah there's been a, a lack of giving that faith to the younger players from other managers but it seems to want to give people that chance and prove themselves i like that ethos earning a place francisco sierra Alta has come in and he said to sierra Alta publicly like look you want to get in you got to earn your place in the team that's the message i want to hear coming from the club and the manager no places on reputation but purely on merit now whether that comes through to some of the more long-standing members of the club who are just coming back in who look in great shape i.e troy dini i'm not sure time will tell there but a good strong message in general to send to the players and that's the smart play for ivich uh that, that prove yourself stance especially as we started well kind of generally and it's a message of motivation to prove yourself. So, yeah, so far from what I've seen from Ibich, I like it. Yeah, and just touching on the fact that he is playing all these young players, I mean, 
like you say, you touched on Xiao Pedro um, and Will Mott. We've got Domingo Squina, who I I don't want to be like I told you so, but I've rated him massively, even from last Same. season um, when he had yeah when he had um, a couple of appearances here and there um, in cup games, etc. And I've said on blogs before, I was like, Domingo Squina is so good. Why aren't we playing him more? And I know the under, I understand that, like you said, there's a risk of we might be relegated because we are in the Premier League. We've got something to lose, if that makes sense. Um, at the same time, I, I really rate him and I don't see any reason why he shouldn't play, what, because he's young and we're in the Premier League. Um, and I think, I don't know, maybe it's just a backwards way of looking at it in terms of he, he's young, um, he doesn't have the experience required. Whereas sometimes, yes, of course, experience is a big part of it, but it's, it's not the be-all and end-all. Sometimes it is talent, uh, hard work. You see commitment every time Domingo Squina plays. Um, he's always playing for the shirt, always gives it everything he's got. And Pulls off some absolute worldies. That's how he scores most of his goals. He only scores good goals, apparently. But um, yeah, he scored some brilliant goals. And I just think it's it's quite promising for us, to be fair. You know, we've still got Ishmael Lassar. Let's not forget he's, he's not old. Um, yeah, we've got some good players on our hands. And if we can give them the game time that they need, like we are at the moment, um, what players they could turn out to be. Um, but in terms of formation, now this is something that a lot of Watford fans have debated about. Um, particularly what formation works best for us. I just wanted to know what your take on it was. What What is it you, that you like seeing from Vladimirovic um, and, and what the team? Yeah, I mean, it's the 3-5-2, 5-3-2 kind of thing with the wingbacks mm. that we're currently in now, aren't we? Like, I mean, the, like I said, we're second in the league after however many games and that's due to the formation by the detractions of it, by the advantages of it. We've got to take that for what it is. But I mean, the way we play generally with a solid formation, we limit our opponent's chances. I And I think that Ivic has noted himself, like he isn't really happy with the formation at current himself. It's not his first choice. But because of our lack of a solid solid defensive left back at currently, I mean, Kiko isn't that. I think Kiko's time at the club, he he's proved that he's not a solid left back. Um, Messina is obviously on the sidelines he's got to come back, whether he proves to be that solid defensive left back, I think he will be. Uh, but we can't go, go can't go to a 4-3-3, which I think is Ivic's preferred, or at least it's the consensus preferred formation that we're going to be going towards. We have to rely on that 5-3-2 or 3-5-2, however you want to look at it. I think, like I said, in the position we're in, being second on the whole, we have to be happy. Sometimes the games we're in aren't the most exciting on a game-by-game -game basis. I know we've just come off the back of two three twos, but we've also had a lot of one nils, nil nils. I think in the general sense of our formation and style allows us to play a generally pleasing game of football. We put pressure on opposition, contain them into playing into deep end of their, their half, like we did against Sheffield Wednesday, second half as an example, and don't let them out and keep the pressure on them. It's just that it's the same for each team. And when there's a little less of a threat, maybe like Barnsley, uh, something could have changed there to alter the result. It's fine doing that defending, but that, in a defensive sense, but a bit more flexibility could have been appreciated, I think. And we'll see that as we got, start to get fully formed, like the squad, the sharpness. I think we'll see that incorporation of a 4-3-3 as well as a plan A or a plan B. And I'd love to see that in a counter-attacking sense, like a, away from home with Dini holding up the ball and bringing like your Semmers and Sars in. That could be really potent for me. Like, But this is a results business. I'm not really going to care about the formation, to be honest with you, if by the end of it, when all's said and done, we get end up getting promoted. What's What do you think about that? Yeah, of course, um, there is the whole thing about, you know, the formations and what's being played. Like you say, I completely agree with it. it, it 
it's great having the formation that we're playing and it's, it's doing a fairly decent job. Like you say, we're second after 11 games, so it must be doing something right. But just having the ability to adapt that formation should we need to, like you say, for against teams like, I think it was Wickham um, and and Barnsley. Uh, and I think that's what we, that's one of the reasons why we lost, well, why we lost. Um, and I think it was because we just lacked the ability to adapt that formation and, change it based on how the team were coming at us. It's sort of like, well, I'm going to use this example because I've been playing football manager a lot recently. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I absolutely love it, can I just say. Um, yeah, so it's like, you obviously you react based on what the other team's doing. So if the team has changed their formation, you react and change it. It's, it's a bit like a game of chess, do you know what I mean? Um, mm. And that's, I think, what we need, a bit of flexibility and the ability to change it. Um, you touched on a player there, Ken Sema. How brilliant has he been since the start of the season? What a player. Let me just rewind for you. We'll get to consider yes. in a moment. <laughs> Let's rewind. Just sticking on formation. The biggest critique as well that you can put alongside with lack of flexibility is I don't think right now the formation quite suits Saar or getting the best out of Saar just yet. We haven't seen that yet. I don't know if maybe that you could say that's maybe more him, Saar, not being not maybe playing to the full potential that we've seen of him. But I don't know about the formation so far. I don't think it's quite got the best out of Saar. Maybe that needs to be. And again, a 4-3-3, I think, more suits Saar. But going back to Ken Semmer, yeah. Ken's been, for me, the standout player of this season. There are a couple of others that I'd like to mention uh, as well for, for standouts. But Ken uh, is the real obvious one. And pro you probably have to give it to him. He looks a totally, totally different player from the one that we've seen previously like last season. He looked limited under our former managers and quite rightly I thought shipped off to Udinese but at Udinese he, he, he took the, his opportunity by the took the ball by the horns really rejuvenated himself and now he's back here and probably being our best player it actually made me realize that he isn't a limited player but for me it's the instruction that he plays under under those former managers he was given that was limiting him in his freedom to play and I think Ibich has taken some of that red tape off of him and let him just be a winger or, in a couple of cases, a left wing back. But even in those occasions where he's had to adapt, he's excelled in adapting and he's been great. What is it, like five assists already? It's oh, brilliant. something like that. It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, you see what he does every time he gets the ball. He, he runs at defenders and... When you say about being limited or how he came across limited, that was what we lacked. That's what we wanted, but just didn't get from him. And like you said, I think it's because of the managers were putting him under so many instructions of what to do, what not to do. Um, and just didn't give him that freedom to roam. Like, um, yeah, and now that he's got that, you see him running at defenders, which is what all Watford fans want. You want a, a winger who's going to run at the defenders or a wing back who's going to run at defenders um, and create that chance. And he, and he takes it to the byline, cuts it back and, and there's, you know, you've seen so many times that there's been a player there to, to finish it off. Um, and like you say, rightly so, I think he's right up there with, with one of our top players this season. Um, I'm going to ask you for two more. Yeah, I'll give you two more. But just on that, whilst you were saying that, it just reminded me mm. of Amrabat. He's like the reverse Nordin Amrabat, where Amrabat came in and Amrabat was taking players on and uh, trying to find like a, a man. But then... As games progress, Amrabat just stopped taking on players. He just stopped. Yeah. And obviously as well, like he was played up front and played in different positions and things like that. But the reverse happened with Ken Semmer. Ken Semmer started, he was coming in, he wasn't taking players on. 
but now he's he's the like I said the reverse and he's taking those players on. The first player I think I want to highlight for me, like I've highlighted Ben Wilmer, so I'll just say a couple of words on him. Ben has been really good. He's really kind of solid start. A couple of shaky moments from Ben and Ben. I think in the Barnsley game, he kind of took responsibility for that. It was one of the games he took responsibility for uh, the mm-hmm. defeat, which was, yeah, he, he slated himself in the post-match interview, which I thought was a bit harsh. But I also, because I thought in that game, he, th- he was one of the better players, but it also shows his good attitude. And he's willing to take on the responsibility at such a young age in an important position, but a young age nonetheless. And like I've said, he reminds me of a, the Leicester City version. So far, a couple of glimpses of that, that Harry Maguire coming forward with the ball, playing those balls, like playing those diagonal balls. He finds players a lot. So I really like the look of Ben Wilmot. So I'll, I'll highlight him. The second player, I think it's a very obvious pick here, is of course, João Pedro. Like, yeah. would he have been resigned to a bench role if Dini and Gray had been fit at the start of the season? I don't know really, but... What I do know is he's taken his opportunity and he's looked really, really, really good. Up front, he's been astute, capable of holding up the ball, bringing people into play, capable of finding space in the box and finishing. He's got strings in his bow already at his young age, which are only getting stronger and better. I mean, that finish versus Derby, that bit of quality, that match-winning aspect to him, that's what he has and is developing. Because at the top end of the sport, which is where someone like João Pedro is projected or on the path towards, it really kind of becomes about how many match winners you have in your squad. And if he keeps being the deciding factor, those eyes on him already will become red hot glares and we will inevitably struggle to keep him. But I mean, added to that, he's been successful, but we've got to remember like he's been the focal point. I think we'll see even more of him um, when that kind of responsibility of being that front man is taken off of him and Dini comes in and he does that graft instead and Pedro is on the end of things as opposed to not being on the end of things. I think we'll see much more of him. But I remember when he first came in and I've listened to this podcast. It's called, it's for years, it's called the BBC Five Live World Football Phone. And have you heard of it, Ricky? Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. It's one of the best football podcasts like mm. I've heard too. I'm not sure it's still going. If it is, check it out. If it's not, I think it might be called the Brazilian Shirt Name Podcast. It's with Dot and Adebayo and Tim Vickery. Yeah, Actually, I'm not sure it's still called that. I think it's changed the name, but I know what you're talking about, yeah. There, and if their insights are great covering the world of football from players and leagues. And what I'm trying to say is Tim Vickery, when it comes to him and what he sees in the players, I really take notice of. And he was saying, speaking of João Pedro, uh, he says João reminds him of a young Roque Santa Cruz I don't know, Rocky Santa Cruz might be past uh, before your time, Ricky. Just a little bit, um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> no worries. Rocky Santa Cruz, uh, he was like lanky, pacey, two-footed kind of <laughs> player. Um, and like me paraphrasing Tim Vickery, when Bayern Munich originally signed Rocky Santa Cruz, they believed he was going to be a player who'd be going to be one of the top three best players in world football. Back in 99, when they signed him, the Ballon d'Or was won by Rivaldo. Second place was Beckham. Third place was Shevchenko. So that's what we're looking at in terms of talent with João Pedro. I'm not getting carried away and saying that he'll get there. A lot can happen in that time and he might not even make it to that level. But what I'm saying talent-wise and what he's showing so far, he's on that path and he needs to be nurtured towards and further that path. But that's the sort of talent we've got on our hands. And for me, 
Ben Wilmo, Ken, so Ken Semmer and Jao Pedro have been the standouts. And also praise to the sports scientists and nutritionists with the work they've done with Jao. They spotted the need for physicality in the league and in general, the English leagues. They worked with Jao to put on muscle. And we've seen in particular his, with his frame and him being able to protect the ball well and bring others into play. So fair play to them for helping develop Jao in that sort of way as well. I think that's a really good point. And I'm actually a bit gutted you said it because I was going to go for that, but you've taken my star, <laughs> um, you've taken my um, spotlight there, but that's okay. Um, no, he's put on like, I think it's something like 7kg um, since, oh, I can't remember when it was, since since the start of the season or whatever, or since last season. Um, he's put on 7kg and it's not fat, it's muscle. They've done a really good job of it. And you see, like you said, you see him when he's playing and he's able to hold up the ball and, and battle players off and, and not get bullied by the defenders. And it's really nice to see because, you know, we have Troy Deeney who can do that, but then there's some mm. things you can't do, which he's not very agile compared uh, in comparison to Jao Pedro. But if, if Jao Pedro can, I'm not saying he's as strong as Troy Deeney, obviously, but um, if he can hold his own and battle and shield balls and, and hold things up, that, mate, we've got real potential on our hands, like you said, because he's, we've got somebody who's agile, who can finish clearly um, and and will have a bit of strength about him as well. And, and he's quick. So those are four things that you sort of really want to see in a striker. Um, and it's quite nice that we have that um, in, in Jao well, Pedro. Not even, it's not even his preferred position. I think uh, um, his former club, he was playing like an inside forward on the left, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was like a left winger. Yeah. So if we move to 4-3-3 and Jao's in more of his preferred position there may be even more to come from him like cutting in and, and having shots on goal or if he's even put uh, kept with a striker role but yeah so much more yeah. to come from him so impressed yeah it is brilliant and those are my also you've taken the same three players as me but that's okay <laughs> great minds think alike eh? um yeah Wilmot um Sema and Jao Pedro but one player I want to give a mention to not necessarily for his performance obviously he's always reliable um made a couple of mistakes this season talking about the one the only Ben Foster the cycling GK <laughs> Um, just wanted to touch on his YouTube channel. Is I know obviously it's not football specifically, but um, what a YouTube channel! It's great. I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't seen too much of his channel. Like I'm over at Boxing News TV, like Boxing World. You've got to interview and keep getting them and doing the events and stuff. So I haven't actually been able to check too much. But my mate Toby, who's a Crystal Palace fan, a new one over a year ago. I don't know how Crystal Palace get new fans, <laughs> uh, especially in the previous year, but he is one. Um, and he linked me to Ben Foster's YouTube channel. And of what I've seen, it's really been quite innovative. And I've not seen anything like that in the YouTube football world. So he's really capitalized on that market. No doubt we'll see others follow suit. So congratulations mm -hmm. for him to be in the kind of trailblazer in that kind of area. I believe he said he wants to go into professional cycling after football, hasn't he? So that would be interesting if he could make it into that field. No doubt others have crossed over from football into different sports. So me being in the boxing world, we've seen the likes of Rio Ferdinand train for boxing. He couldn't get the license, but he did have that ambition. Leon McKenzie paid, played for Fulham, Norwich, Coventry, Charlton, Peterborough, tried his hand at boxing, didn't win a title. Curtis Woodhouse played for Sheffield United and Birmingham, won a British title in boxing. So these crossovers can be done footballers are athletes at the end of the day the endurance levels will be different for ben as he takes on that challenge but i'm sure i will and you will ricky and people listening here will follow that journey on his youtube channel and i wish all the ben all the best in that venture he's really uh, really doing really well yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant and it would be interesting to see you know 
one, if he crosses over and two, how he does it and how he sort of has to change certain things that he would probably be used to from football and he would have to change that to adapt to um, cycling. But yeah, like you say, it's very interesting. And uh, obviously there's been, uh, there was obviously the EFL who not necessarily weren't happy with him doing his YouTube thing because obviously it comes out that they've reached an agreement. But um, obviously I I think he just didn't ask for permission or or licensing or whatever it was that he needed. Um, He's had a little chat with them and they've reached an agreement where he will donate all the money he makes from YouTube um, to Mind Charity, which is obviously the official partner of the EFL. And number one, it's a nice touch from Ben Foster. Um, and it just does go to show that like he doesn't really care about the money too much or at all, really, does he? Um, and he's just, oh, well, uh, look, listen, I'm a massive fanboy of Ben Foster. On my vlogs, <laughs> I, I have no shame in saying it. I actually have like a bit of a man crush on him, but that's okay. Listen, Ben, if you're watching... Um, yeah, if you want to take me to Nando's, that's absolutely cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, he's he's a great player to, for the club and a great person to have in and around the club as well. Um, yeah, that's decent. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention, though, is obviously being in the championship. One of the big differences between the championship and um, and the Premier League is the amount of fixtures. Obviously, you play more games per season. You play a midweek game and you play a weekend game. Um, we have 12 games in the next six weeks, um, Eamon. That is... A lot of games to be played in a short amount of time, but um, how, how do you think Watford will cope with it? Or, or it, let's say you or Vladimirovic, how would you go about? Because it's so hard to try and prevent injuries and also play consistently at a high at a high quality um, whilst being able to rest players and, and prevent injuries from happening. So, what do you think the tape will be on that? Yeah, just quickly on the Ben Ben Foster thing, the mind charity in the EFL. It's a really kind of closed circuit in the EFL and Premier League kind of club. Well the kind of organizations are really kind of want to want to keep a tight lid on everything which is good and bad in some certain terms but him you know agreeing and them agreeing to donate the money to mind charity it's, it's really classy from ben isn't it like you can tell the kind of guy he is you, you don't hear a bad story about ben and especially in times of covid which you know lockdown and mental health has been poor as ever he's doing his bit there as are other footballers i mean what marcus rashford has been doing is outstanding to use his spotlight in that kind of way is what you want to see from your role models to the younger generation. So I can't credit Ben Foster enough, Marcus Rashford and like for using what they have for the greater good goes like all real credit to, to him really. So yeah, the run of games, I mean, in terms of Ibich, this I think is a really key period for Vladimir Ibich. I mean, first of all, like 12 weeks, 12 games in six weeks. First, before we get to Ibich, having had a look at the fixtures the other day, Ricky, which one stands out to you the most? What, the upcoming fixtures? Yeah. I'm going to need to get them up. I had them on my <laughs> list. No worries. Um, you can. I'll, I'll tell you which one for me stands up. For yeah, me, it's the it. Norwich one. Norwich, yeah. naturally, because they're a, a recent Premier League rival who are looking to bounce back and get automatic promotion and still have Premier League-type talents in the squad. And Mil Buendia, for example. So that one is going to be a real one to earmark to see where we kind of will go on from that game in terms of the league. Last time out against similar opposition, Bournemouth, we were winning and should have won that game, but we didn't. Mm-hmm thanks to a late, late winner. I want to see now how that will affect us and how we will look to approach that game as all, and also how the players kind of react to that. The other game I'm earmarking is Nottingham Forest. When the league table shows that they're down there, 
and it can be perceived as an easier game. So will the concentration go? Will the focus go? I'll mention this again. I think I mentioned this last time on the podcast when we were in the championship under the Pozos and we were expected to do well against the lower league clubs. We got humbled by Yeovil twice, wasn't it? <laughs> now yeah. Nottingham Forest are considerably a bigger club than Yeovil. Naturally, sure, yeah. But what I mean is if a club near the bottom are on a losing streak, we, can, we can't we can sow any complacency in thinking we have an easy win on the cards for us. That complacency ruins consistency, which is so needed for teams to get out of the league. So I'd like to see us be professional in those type of games. But like I'm saying here rec- like recently, we've been to smaller club teams, quotation marks, of course, like Barnsley was a loss, Wickham was a draw. So lots of room improvement there, which is a worry. And with the games coming thick and fast, rotation will be key. Maintaining players with injuries or keeping them from injuries will be key as well. That's the biggest issue, I suppose. Uh, but then, of course, I suppose with someone like Ivic, this sort of period, these are the types of runs which could add insurmountable pressure in terms of your permission uh, position at the club. Remember, he's on a one-year contract. That's generally an easy thing to pay off. And the Pozos are very... <laughs> Rigger happy, I suppose, to pay those things off and bring someone else into the fold. Into the fold, or this period could really add to your claim to getting an extension. So we're fast approaching January. You'd think in the period of January to March, the club would make a decision on Ibich regarding his contract. So steering the club through this period, uh, where we are still around the top or at the top, is really going to give Ibich his well-earned stripes in terms of credibility for a long-term future at the club. So if it's formation changes, rotation, key player preservation, Ivic's decisions here will be under the microscope more than ever. He's got to make the right ones, and I believe he will. Yeah, I have full faith in him too. And I've got the fixtures that don't start, <laughs> all in good time. Um, and I think, obviously, you pointed out the main ones. Um, but Bristol City um, is, is a, what well, they're doing well this season, and they're somebody that we need to be up for it for. Um, and Brentford, and they're not well. They're not doing badly this season, but they're sat in eleventh, so sort of around mid-table. But let's not forget they were in the playoff finals last season, so uh, they should not be taking any complacency um, when we go into that game, like you say, with um, Nottingham Forest. Um, I'll tell you one game that I am gutted about. That's um, we're probably going to end up missing, which is on the nineteenth of December. Huddersfield Town away. I really like Huddersfield Town away, and I'm actually a bit gutted that we're not able to go. The atmosphere is always great. The people there friendly, and uh, I was really looking forward to that. But yeah. COVID's messed everything up, hasn't it, really? Um, mm. I just wanted to say, now, obviously, with um, the championship, you were just talking about how this is going to be an important period for him to get the rotations right, get the formation changes right, everything that we need to do to cope during this period. A new rule that's come into place um, that could potentially help Ivich with this is the new five substitution rule. Um, obviously, from, I think it's not this Friday, next Friday, um, EFL clubs will be able to make five substitutions per game. What are your thoughts on that? That can only be a good thing, especially for a club like Watford, because our bench isn't particularly weak compared to other teams in this league. Um, and I think this could be a real advantage for us, really. Yeah, I mean, um, again, injuries like are a big issue, and I'll get to subs in a moment. But like because we've had such bad, bad luck with injuries in the past and still kind of do, um, you, you can never really rule out players coming in on freeze if there are injuries in the squad. And we've seen players like Kiko be stop-start. Messina is out. Hughes is just coming back. Navarro isn't ready yet. Who knows where Isaac's success is right now. 
but the physios <laughs> and medical teams will really have a job on their hands come this period. Uh, naturally, we want like our most key players to come through this period and like well and unscathed players like Sar, Pedro, Capu, Dini, Foster. Uh, but you just never know. It's how you adapt really in this period, and adaptation will come through in, in like former players like stepping up and taking up responsibility the injuries, rotation. So, like, does Isaac Success want to prove himself and get into the squad? Does Mark Navarro want to lay claim to a defensive spot? Does Ngakia want to get back into the team? Sierra Alto, who's been issued a challenge. Murray, will he take his opportunity? Parikha needs to come back in. Chalabar and Kina cementing their place in midfield. Who's going to step up and cause the manager a headache in terms of selection? So that's going to be really key as well um, yeah. in this period. And, and so is the subs. This new subs rule, <laughs> right, that <laughs> plays in our favour because we're one of the more, we have, in terms of players, we have more resources, uh, better quality um, and more to choose from and a bit more different types of players to bring off onto the pitch. So that plays in our favour, which is great because if you have more players on the pitch, then you have more to choose from. Uh, and I believe that, like, like I said, it gives us that maneuverability in terms of how you can affect the game, what you can do on the pitch. So, yeah, I mean, that favours us much more because the lower league, lower down the table or less resourceful clubs won't have that. And like in this club, in this league, when you want to get out of this league, you have to take every single advantage that you can get. So, yeah, for me, that plays into our hands. Like if we were in the Premier League and this rule was bought in, for sure. I'd be changing my tune and telling, nah, I don't want more subs. That means <laughs> Chelsea, Man City can bring on X, Y, and Z player and affect the affect the game. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll be completely transparent about that. And for now, that suits us. And I'm glad that that's coming in. But also in a general sense, you have to look at the fact that it gives a spot for a young player to potentially be on the pitch and potentially make his debut or give him that experience of being in and around a match day squad so I think in that point of view, I think that's also good. And as well, like it also limits those injuries in those tougher periods where you've got lots of runs of games coming up, getting that extra bit of rest if you need to save a player for an upcoming game. Like Southgate, Klopp, Guardiola have been in support of this. Yes, of course, that shows that those at the top again would be in support of that. You've got to look out of your own interests, though. And I am here looking out for my own interests. So, yeah, I'm... I'm all in favour of the uh, increase in substitutes here. Yeah, I think it's a good idea too. Uh, as long as they get rid of it when we get promoted this season, it's all good. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But um, yeah, no, I think it's a good idea. Um, because, yeah, okay, cool. We have, you know, it's an advantage for Watford. But let's not forget, it's in a way also an advantage for the teams that are lower down the league. Because at the end of the day, they still get to rest players and they're not forced to, especially when you have less resources. Cool, it might not be as of the same quality as Watford have. Um, but, you know, you still want to be able to rest as many players as possible and it's still going to be a difficult period for every single club in this league. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, a, it's it has its benefits for every single club in the league. Um, QPR, Saturday, that's the next game. Uh, we've had an international break. It's been all right. Not quite Watford, though, is it? Um, but, yeah, we've got QPR next Saturday. What are your thoughts on that? It's not going to be an easy one. It never really is. Well, QPR are a bit of a... It's a strange team right now. Like, mm. I mean, I remember years back when they were obviously in the Prem and um, they had that bit of backing around them and they just they were buying kind of players for quite a bit of money. I remember them bringing in some strange players. I remember them loaning 
was it Dia, Sam, Samba Diakite? Samba Diakite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember him? Did he, Didn't get, he just play one game? I think he got sent off on his debut. Yeah, that was, and he never mistaken, played again. Yeah, and he never played again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I remember getting him on loan from QPR, but yeah, they've kind of dropped down, obviously, from from then, and they've just kind of been floundering, really. Last season, they were on the cusp of uh, relegation, but they managed to pull themselves out, and I think they were having some weird games where there was a lot of goals involved in those games. I might be wrong there, I might be right, but yeah, I mean, looking at some of their players, like you got Macaulay Bond, who's up front, who's kind of come from the lower league. Speaking of football manager, he's one that I used to sign when I was doing like a non-league to legend kind of save. Uh, but then you've got some real quality as well. Like George Thomas was was he on loan? He was on loan at us, wasn't he? I believe. Well, I, rec- I recognise the name. I'm not sure. Let me just double check. Yeah. Whilst we're but Tom Carroll, Tom Carroll's another quality player. I'm not, I'm thinking of that player that was um that came from West Brom who was it was midfielder and he got an injury at us and he's never really kind of hit the heights. That's the midfielder Thorn George Thorn I'm thinking of. But yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Not not um George Thomas, but I think we we'll, you can never underestimate a team in a in a championship and I'll not underestimate QPR and they can win and they could win. But I think we'll just have just about enough to see through maybe a 2-0 win there hopefully mm. uh, but I don't think it'll be easy by any by any means they've got experienced players as well in the form of like Lee Wallace and other players Albert Adoma who used to be do, do really well in the championship remember with Middlesbrough he caused a lot of problems in the championship he's a little bit older now uh, but yeah I think we should be able to come through QPR relatively unsaved Chris Willock as well who's on loan from Arsenal who's a touted yeah to be an Arsenal first team member as well in the future. But yeah, I think we should be able to come through QPR relatively unscathed. 2-0 win is what I'd go for there. 2-0 win. Right, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Watford. Uh, like you say, I think they're they're one of those teams, you well, like with any team in the Championship, you can never go into it thinking, ah, oh, it's going to be a breeze because it never really is. Um, and if you do that, nine times out of ten, you come out with a loss. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a difficult one, but I think it's one that we'll be able to overcome. Um, and I think it will be two one win for Watford. Um, any final thoughts before I wrap it up? Final thoughts. Uh, just another thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, thank God that pay per view is dead in football. Very uh, good point. So, like I said, in boxing, pay per view just thwarts every. Well, not thwarts everything. It's just everywhere. Whenever something comes to a certain standard it's on pay-per-view and you have to pay and those pay-per-view prices are only ever increasing i'm glad to see that it was implemented and then rejected wholeheartedly and they got rid of it now i don't know if what they were doing was is what we're what for fc are doing where you have to pay every game uh, and it goes to the club directly I, I didn't quite pay attention to how that works but the idea especially when you're paying a sky sports subscription and you're expecting to get a certain amount of games, and then now you're moving the goalposts and saying, no, well, if you want these games, you're going to have to pay for them. Uh, I'm glad that... It was weird seeing someone like Mike Ashley like in, in opposition <laughs> to pay-per-view. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that pay-per-view is now defunct and we're moving towards what we had before. So I'm, I'm very glad on that point. But for Watford FC uh, in general, yeah, like I'm, I'm really happy to see us move forward i wasn't too happy with the the at your place conference did you watch that i actually didn't i think i was at work that that day 
Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think we got to learn as much as we normally do from the at your places that we do, uh, which is a shame. And I think in general with the club, I like to see a bit more communication in terms of what's happening in the club, but it's coming, it's getting a little bit better. It's going the right places, but I want to see yeah. more from the club. But on the pitch, on the whole, generally I'm really happy. Um, but but it, it could all change. This is a, what is it, 12 games, six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we, could, we could be by the towards the bottom by the end of it. So never taking anything for, for granted. Game by game basis. Hope, Sar, Pedro, Dini, all our key players, all, all our players in general are free from injury. And yeah, this is the time for those those players to come in, earn their spot, Ibic to earn his stripes as a manager and Ibic, Ibic to really earn his contract, to be fair. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, just to touch on the pay-per-view thing, absolute class from... Uh, there was another club who did it as well, but Newcastle fans is the club I remember. Um, instead of paying for the pay-per-view, they donated to a food bank in, in Newcastle, which is at touch of class. So fair play to Newcastle. And I, I wish I knew, could remember the other club that did it, but um, fair play to you guys as well. Um, yeah, it's just little things like that that it just shows that, you know, football fans are all right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Watford... Yeah, like you say, things can change very, very quickly. Um, but we, we'll have to see. Football's a funny game um, and we will review soon. But um, yeah, no, I am going to wrap up this podcast here. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you did, make sure to leave a like on it. Go and check out Amen. Like I said, all his stuff will be in the description below. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to leave us a good review. Uh, it means a lot. helps me out a lot. Um, on YouTube, leave a like. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. And I will catch you in the next one. See you later.